Welcome to a podcast on fire on Master Wong versus Master Wong and till death do we scare. It started out as two fairly random picks up for review on this show, but the intent was to sort of stop joking around uh, about at least my dislike of Alan Tam and talk of at least one movie where he succeeded as an actor and a presence. Uh, that movie was Lost Blood, by the way. It turned into, that show turned into more choices and discussions of movies he ruined. Movies he helped to elevate. And a little sub-series of Podcast on Fire was born under the banner of the Allentown Crapping Hour. The filmography is bigger than our coverage will be, but we find a suitable endpoint with this episode. With uh, the following things lined up, uh, we are going to discuss the sequel to Once Upon a Time, a hero in China called Master Wong vs. Master Wong, featuring Alan Tam as a rather useless Wong Fei Hong. And really, the Wong Fei Hong no one asked for, but we got it anyway. And to cap it all off, we go back to 1982 and ghost comedy shenanigans from Cinema City with an added special effects makeup flavor from the West in the form of Tom Savini. And we therefore conclude the Alan Tam series with a review of Till Death Do We Scare. And my name is Kenny B, here with me as always to discuss these uh, dislike or like matters, Team Tam or not Team Tam matters, is the head honcho of easternfilmfans.co.uk, Phil G, welcome to 2017, but which is the beginning, but we're here at the end, despite. Yes, we are. We're at the, the end. It's the beginning of the end for the Alan Tam series. Two reviews to go. It's 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 been emotional. Any any more thoughts on uh, how it started, uh, what happened in the middle, and uh, what's going on on here at the end? Enjoyed yourself, at least? <laughs> I don't know. It was a kind of a snowball effect that we think it was just we popped an Alan Tam film on there, and then we decided to do more, and then it just became this beast, and then it became this beast that people wanted to listen to, and then it became, you know, it kind of evolved as it went. So it's been, uh, it's been an exciting journey, and, uh, you know, I'm quite... Saddened today that it's all going to be over in, in some respects, but I think it's come to its its peak as well. I think this is this is the point. You can drag these things on, you know, and it doesn't mean there won't be Alan Tan films in the future. I'm sure we'll review, but you know, I think we've just hit that the right time to say, you know, enough's enough. Let's let's get the counting. Let's <laughs> enough's be enough. God damn Alan it, Alan Tam. Team Tam or not Team Tam, that is the question. And today we're going to answer that. I'm looking forward to it. But not just yet. But Not uh, yet. Uh, you know, as listener Jay said, like, perfectly about the series, um, and uh, I, I quote him from the Facebook group, uh, I, I don't see it as a joke, but the concept of talking of a less than popular actor and re-evaluating their work to see if the hate is fair or unwarranted. So... Essentially, it was something with an immature tint, which is what I bring, uh, that turned into focused creativity, which is sort of what I bring as well, and uh, as do you. And by the way, we'll, we will be indeed tallying up by the end if we are on Team Tam or not by, you know, we have our movies in the respective columns already, we know. Uh, but, well, I, I don't know what, if Phil is or not, and uh, Phil doesn't know if I am or not. So uh, we'll be going over each movie in the coverage by the end, just sort of, a, yeah, I remember liking that, I remember hating that, and so forth and uh, the results will be akin to seismic eruptions i think yes i think so i think yeah it was aptly put like i say this show has evolved and it was taking you know a, a crap actor and does he is he any better does he lift this film does he make this film any better um as well as reviewing the film it was reviewing the film and then reviewing the actor and then the actor within the film so it was a kind of a, like i say an evolution of of alan tam uh, and the films that you know he's in so yeah Jay uh, hit the nail on the head. Today, all that good work will 
come to its final conclusion. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll get into it very, very soon. But first of all, some uh, quick contact information. Uh, this is the it's, it's the first recording of 2017, so the cobwebs are getting up. <laughs> This podcast again, but uh, regardless, we're we're all in the same places on uh, on the web and social media, and uh, this is podcast on fire on the podcast on fire network. Our website is podcastonfire.com. This show focuses on Hong Kong cinema, new and old. Uh, this particular show has an Alan Town focus, as we described, but you can make plenty of choices over there if you like Japanese cinema, Korean cinema, Swedish cinema, Ninja cinema, and Alan Town cinema. In the case of this, you've picked the right show for that, and uh, we also do bonus episodes every now and again, exclusive for the website. If you have questions or feedback what's your favorite alan tam movie and what's your least favorite alan tam movie let's get a discussion going even on email and that's address is podcast on fire at googlemail.com there's been plenty of discussions of alan tam good natured i i'd like to add even though i'm immature about these things i'm not inviting uh, trolling necessarily <laughs> and i'm not really trolling i mean for for the record i like alan tam on facebook right and when he posts i like his posts so I'm not uh, that uh, dehumanized just yet, where I'm, uh, where I'm like, uh, you know, you can like in different ways. On Facebook with emojis, I'm not uh, liking it with angry emojis or anything, right? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm genuinely like, hey, there he is, he's busy. <laughs> I saw he, he's, uh, he was on a photo shoot for something a few months ago, and it looked like for that photo shoot, he, fo- photo shoot, he was uh, rocking uh, one of those fake uh, mohawks. You know, he had long enough hair where, where they where they combed it up to have a little bit of a little bit of a height. So hey, Aww. we're brothers now. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say on a second. Has he been listening in? Has he seen a picture of you, Ken? Come on, there's a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of love there. I think I'm liking that. That that is totally realistic. <laughs> But uh, we have been having the, uh, good discussions on Facebook uh, over at our uh, Facebook group called Podcast on Fire Network. If you follow the handy buttons on our page, uh, there, it will get you there. If you click the Facebook button, it will get you to our page. And we would appreciate a like in support. Um, it's not really for us. We're not looking to blow up or anything. But a like in support is always nice. And we passed 500 uh, likes um, over the over the new year or just before the new year. So thank you very much. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, click the Twitter button. And uh, if you click the iTunes button, you can subscribe. Subscribe to our feed to get notifications whenever a show comes out. And uh, you can also leave a star rating if you're an iTunes user and or even a written comment. We would appreciate that. And finally, Stitcher Radio, the button leading to their website is where you can stream our shows. But uh, you can also do that on you can also do that on the go if you download the applications available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. And I write about a variety of Hong Kong, Taiwanese, uh, Sleazy and Ninja, Tinted Movies are at SoGoodReviews.com. This has included Alan Tan Movies. Some of my favorite Alan Tan movies are actually sort of his Taiwanese work, where he's not he's not a distinguished actor, but he's in quite a number of cool movies uh, from that time, dramatic or exploitation-style movies. He's in the movie Girl with a Gun, which is the almost shot-for-shot remake of Miss 45. You familiar with Miss 45? The the, the Abel Ferrara rape revenge uh, oh, movie. Oh, okay, yes, yes. I I think it was in... It's probably still in... Um... My uh, list of films to watch. <laughs> I've seen a few Abel Ferrara movies, um, but I-, I keep staying away from Driller Killer because it seems like 
seems like a pretentious movie rather than a full-on horror movie but by his second movie man miss 45 it's a huge step up man it looks great but it's suitably gritty as well and it's a good exploitation movie it's like um the, the template for these kind of things they they shot it almost shot for shot but with some different codas and stuff in taiwan and alan tam stars as um he, he's not the miss 45 of the story but he uh she she works at a sewing company that sells clothes for uh, for fashion designers and he he's her boss in that movie so um so so yeah uh, he's in some taiwanese work and what have you but uh, anyway i also video review at sleazykvideo.com and i post tweets at so good reviews so that's my plugs eastern film fans uh still open for business in 2017 obviously so uh what do you do over there for those people who do not know Ah, well, at the moment, I'm still building my uh, catalogue up for the uh, podcast, essentially all the Alan Tan ones, so obviously you can come to Podcast on Fire, because that's the originator, but I've also popped them on our website as well, so all those podcasts that we've been doing, uh, there's links there directly back to Podcast on Fire. My favourite my favorite podcast person in the whole world, well, Kenny B. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, but, yeah, uh, yeah. but you're my favorite. Uh, let's uh, support independent uh, filmmakers in yes. the UK. And, and I'm still going to do that in 2017. And, the, and there's more out there to support and, you know, give people a chance in the, the up and coming and those small, you know, action independent movies that, that need. And those ones that, you know, are highlighting that kind of golden age Hong Kong cinema action that, you know, I love. And there's a lot of people out there that love that. Yeah, and um, hopefully uh, by the time this podcast comes out, you should see the uh, most anticipated films for 2017 come out as well. So, yeah, that should be on there as well and updated. So, yeah, look forward to that and see what 2017 has in store for Asian film fans and Eastern film fans alike. Uh, Without revealing the whole list, uh, any random pick from that list uh, that you remember that you look forward to, whether it's middle of the list or top of the list? I I would say uh, Jackie Chan, The Foreigner because it stars with Pierce Brosnan. It's going to be hard-edged. It's going to be a Martin Campbell production. It's going to be something different than what people have seen for for a long while from Jackie Chan, um, more hard-edged. I think that one's going to be a massive hit. I think the fans are going to absolutely love it. Obviously, he's got Railroad Tigers that comes out as well. Um, Ding Ching, obviously, directing that one, so that look forward to that. And there's a couple of um, smaller films on there um, that people might not know about. So, um, yeah, check out the list um, for 2017s, and there'll be some uh, surprise uh, entries on there, I think. Excellent, excellent. Well, we'll link to that, the new website, and uh, on, on the website, in the show post. And in the meantime, we're going to take a musical break and going to extract some Wong Fei Hong theme music from Master Wong versus Master Wong, which is the sequel to Alan Tam's Wong Fei Hong movie, but expectedly, it's a silly Wong Fei Hong movie, and so is the second one. So uh, we'll review that after the musical break. Welcome back in the first review of this episode, the finale to Alan Tam uh, crapping our sessions is Master Wong vs. Master Wong from 1993 and plot taken from HKMDB. In this sequel to the parody of Once Upon a Time, a hero in China, Wong Fei Hong, played by Alan Tam, 
is uh, tired of his life pretending to be a kung fu master because he's not really good. Yeah, and he decides to visit Canton in anonymity, letting his student uh, Porky Wing, played by Eric Tsang, pretend to be Wong Fei Hong instead. A crooked businessman, played by Anthony Wong, and an upright uh, Wong Fei Hong admirer complicate matters. Over the course of the movie, at least six different people claim to be the real Wong Fei Hong, setting up a climactic battle for identity. And uh, I added uh, the rest of the core cast returns. So such as um, Umman Tat, uh, Stephen Chow's uh, frequent co-star. He plays uh, Bakhtif So, and Theresa Mo plays uh, Aunt Yi, which is the Rosamund Kwan role from Once Upon a Time in China. But uh, this is all comedy. Is it good comedy? Well, Phil G is here to tell us uh, of his uh, brief opinion, first of all. So, in short, what did you think of Master Wong versus Master Wong? You know, I was dreading this. I know, when you, I said know you were. Yeah. <laughs> I, I convinced you of this. Master I convinced you. Yeah, you were smiling, you are. You really are. For the last show, I thought, oh my God, why why, why would you do this to me? I dreaded this coming up, and I knew you were going to do it to me. Um, You know, if if you enjoyed Once Upon a Time, A Hero in China, then obviously you'll enjoy this film. And, and if you didn't, like myself, then you <laughs> won't as much. But I think as we go through it, there'll be a little bit of an evolution in the film and stuff. So... It's not my cup of tea. It's just too slapstick for me as an overall piece. But there's a little bit more to it this time, I think, because the the way I was reviewing it. So it's much the same as before, which, you know, I just disliked it. If you listen to the podcast for the original, you can see my disdain. You can hear it. Uh, you, you you sort of were um, certain jokes were okay, but overall I know you had trouble, trouble with the first yeah, one. Yeah, it's so full on that, that slapstick. It doesn't quite... I don't quite get that, and maybe that's just me, and that's my perception of it, and it doesn't quite, I don't quite have the the laughs that maybe other people would see and get, and, you know, it's not really for me. So it's much of the same with this film, but I suppose there's more emotional element to it as well with both these movies that have clouded my judgment somewhat because this is the last two movies in the series we're reviewing. So there are, I think it's it's better well-received for me than probably if we'd done it in middle of the Allentown series, if you get one. Well, I'll uh, stop it right there. Uh, as for my opinion, it is on par with what I thought was an amusing uh, first. It's uneven, but I thought it was amusing. Uh, the, the concept of a bit of a useless Wong Fei Hong is still tickling me. And uh, the, the thing is, Allentown is a little bit more anonymous this time around after being established in the first um which is uh, a little bit of a disappointment. And uh, the humor is hit and miss uh, because the crew are trying to be as good as and as wild as some of the best Stephen Chow moments that have come before and were to come. But it's all, it is hit and miss because, uh, you know, the likes of Eric Tsang is not a replacement for Stephen Chow. Certainly Alan Tam isn't either. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's my short opinion. It's uh, uneven but amusing still uh, and uh, close to on par with the first but not quite. Uh, so uh, as we established, this Wong Fei Hong as played by Alan Tam, he isn't really talented as such. He's more of a front figure for the clinic and Kung Fu school, um, Po Chi Lam. But so his team made it uh, for him, you know, made it happen for him because he he liked cooking better. He, and uh, it's it's all um, it was amusing and broad. Um, and the game Alan Tam was the highlight for me in the first one. Yeah, you know, as we summarized, you weren't as bored uh, on board with it. But uh, here we are with the second one. And uh, answer me this, Phil. Why are they playing the police story theme for the opening queasy cam montage? <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know. <laughs> it was you sent me that, and I was like, at the time, I was just like, huh? what? What? Why? Of all the themes in all the world, why would you use that one? I, I don't. I don't get the relevance. Or maybe this just the. I just don't get it. Why would you use it? Somebody answer. Somebody. Somebody must have the answer out there. What? Just randomly. Let's use the police story. Why? I, I think I think that is the answer. Like like use it randomly because it's the the opening footage is shot with this shaky cam, but I think it's new footage. Uh, it almost is shot like outtake footage, but it isn't outtake footage. But uh, okay, we've done that joke. Let's move on. And yeah. uh, <laughs> no reason whatsoever, which is the the high points and the low points of Hong Kong comedy sometimes that yeah. p- people just do it and just hope for the best. Look, throwing crap on the wall and hoping yeah. hoping that it sticks. Uh, d- this didn't stick. It was rather like. Okay. Yeah. It's not yeah. even Jackie's theme. It's re- it's it's re-recorded in some shape or form, so it's not um, you know straight lifted from a laser disc of police story or anything. But we get going, which is one of my sort of positives in my review that, that the movie sort of gets going fairly quickly. We get um, we get to meet Anthony Wong's uh, character Te Kam Yin, which is uh, a bad businessman, and I don't really like Anthony in the movie. But this opening joke I really dug because he's uh, he's a character that apparently don't dare to say things to your face so he says like oh you're a bad egg and then he hides under the table and sits there and like oh you're a bad egg so he doesn't want to say things to people's faces okay that's it's a cow it's a it's a it's sleazy smarmy businessman but he's a cowardly character but they don't really ride that um, sort of wave because in the movie he's he's social and he's smarmy and he's he's the bad guy the rest of the movie so you know, as great of an actor Anthony is, uh, at this time anyway, did, uh, this wasn't for him, man. I was more looking forward to if he would have uh, busted some moves in the movie, right? Because he, he, he does do Kung Fu, even though he's not made a living doing Kung Fu roles necessarily. Um, you know, uh, just in his later years, I guess, he played uh, Ip Man. So I might as well ask, did, did you see the Anthony Wong Ip Man movie? I quite enjoyed There was a few that come out at the same time, and um, that was the uh, that was for him and Yawa, wasn't it? Yeah, just a different um, different slant on it. But um, I, I just think for this movie, I don't know. He tends, to Anthony Wong, he tends to do these like these quirky characters and come up with, uh, I mean, it's just the, the writers and the scripts and, and what he's given and he has to work with. But I don't know. If he'd played it differently, like I said, I don't know if he'd bust some moves or something, it would have been different. He'll just played it slightly different, I don't know. But maybe that's just, you know, that's the script he's given and, you know, he has to go with that and that's the direction he's given rather than, him putting his own stamp on it, but yeah, he didn't. He didn't quite work in the role. No, it's it's he is annoying and he's supposed to be annoying, but it's it's sort of an actor trying to be comedic where when he has no business being really comedic, yeah. and he's not as you alluded to um, directed very well. Uh, Lilik Chi is a fantastic com- comedy director and did the prior movie. Has worked with Stephen Chow before and since. The skill there, but uh, Anthony certainly is uh, f- forgettable. But cut to. I love the concept they set up after he's been heroic in the first one, uh, Wong Fei Hong. His brand is being exploited because they're selling merchandise uh, based on the fact that he did the no shadow kick, which is the you know trademark move of Wong Fei Hong. They're selling leg merch, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which I thought was great. Yeah, I quite like that. Yeah, I liked it. You're lucky I have his leg. You know, Soily's leg. This is a no shadow kick leg. I mean, that was good. You know, that was quite good. You know, he's been put through his paces. You know, he's been burnt and thrown back in the building to you know save the John and save all the, you know, the precious uh, things of the house and you know bits and pieces like that. And 
and all that. I, I quite enjoyed that as a as a as a setup and see how he's being, you know, pushed to like, you know, sell, you know, Wong Fei Hong merchandise now and he's gone down that route and he's obviously unhappy with all that, you know, you just to cook. But yeah, I quite enjoy it. He he doesn't enjoy being the, uh, the external face. Uh he'd rather, you know, because he, he wasn't bad a bad cook or anything, so he he'd rather do that. But uh and and then also his martial arts skills as much of a hero he was in the first they are dormant. It's it's sort of a bigger plot point here that the no shadow kick only comes out when he gets when something uh, or someone is in peril, right? So, so yeah. they try to sort of prod him and poke him to see if the no shadow kick will uh, come out. Uh, that's a, a decent concept, and it leads to the the better gags for me. And it's all based on preference, really. It's not supposed to be universally loved, but yeah. Lilik Chi certainly in his Stephen Chow movies before and since used. Um, let me try and explain it as good as I can. Gags that are done in editing where you cut to the reveal of the gag prime example in the beginning of the movie he is supposed to attack the mantat character and you think the no shadow kick is going to come out there in public and you see him run towards uh, mantat and then you cut to him sort of with his arm and leg around him and sort of beating him like don't don't, don't, like really weakly and that cut to gag as I'd like to call it is successful in several cases in a movie maybe not that maybe that's not the most successful but Lilik Chi the director sort of rely on that a lot to cut to reveals silly reveals a dry deadpan reveals or even broad reveals so and I've always liked that in um, Stephen Chow movies uh, as well uh, when he's front and center Stephen was often made at work though which is uh, why not not a lot of Stephen Chow copies came after his success and did it as well. It just uh, felt like uh, copies uh, of uh, a master. This partly feels like that, uh, if I'm being all honest. They, you got great actors involved and famous actors, but it's not something that could rival Stephen Chow. And no. uh, and, and I don't remember if, we, if I even asked you, but uh, for, just for the sake of context, are you, are you at all a fan of the Stephen Chow brand of humor? Uh, early 90s, so Shaolin Soccer style humor as well. Like, Is that your thing? Again, I, I was probably late introduced to it with Shaolin Soccer, I guess, you know, and more, you know, CJ7, obviously, which is more comedian and stuff. So I've kind of got into it at a later stage and probably everybody knows his kind of early work, which I haven't seen a lot of, to be honest. So I, I don't mind that that style. And it's definitely something that kind of, well, for me, I kind of warm to. And especially just from my perception, because I'm very much the action movie in any movies I watch, not just, you know, Asian films, but normal films as well, I'll always go for the action movie first. The comedy is right down the list. Action movie, you know, the thriller, the drama, the horror. Okay, the comedy. Do you know what I mean? So it takes a lot to make me laugh out loud and it takes a lot for uh, an actor, a comedic actor for me to go, I need to watch that because that person's in it. I want to Stephen Chow in that way. And I think, oh, yeah, I'll watch it now because Stephen Chow's in it. But I think it took a while for me to warm to that kind of sense of humour. Which is fair enough, and it's also very local humour that sometimes don't come yeah. through. Uh, Stephen sometimes, um, well, the makers and Stephen, I suppose, because his creativity, you, you could feel that in in his movies. You, you could feel his mm. contributions to movies, but sometimes all of that was not, you know, close to translatable, right? Yeah. 
there's a scene apparently in Fight Back to School where Mantat and Stephen Chow are just walking out of an office and talking about the airplanes or something, and apparently it's all sort of a pun on talking about masturbation instead. But it sounds like talking about the airplanes. <laughs> and you just can't, you know, it's with any language, really, you know, Swedish to English, English to Swedish, or whatever language. That That's going to get lost. I mean... Uh, so, uh, but but I, I I can still say for for the ones I really like from Steven and director Lee Lik Chi, who directed a fair amount of his movies, there's a lot of stuff in them that uh, is just physical and uh, deadpan and uh, just wonderfully droll and uh, and, and silly, and I, I I quite enjoy that. So I you know if I were to recommend any like early '90s efforts from Steven, I would probably say. F- Flirting Scholar seems like a difficult movie to get into, but it's a fucking funny ass movie, you know, because it, it seems like so local. That and probably Forbidden City Cop, uh, which is his period James Bond movie, or rather from Beijing with Love is a good one to watch yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, I've been meaning to get around to those, I have to say. So, yeah, good recommendation. And for me, I'd, I'd probably watch those as well now. So. Is there any fun for you seeing the multiple gags? Where the guys or other guys uh, beat up Teresa Moore's character in a movie because she is treated like garbage in this movie for comedy. You know, the, the scene where she's begging to come to Shanghai or Canton with them and they just kick her off, off screen, you know, stay there, stay there. And it happens multiple times. She gets flung about the frame multiple times they beat the shit out of her in this movie uh which it's called for cartoony purposes mind you it's not abuse but uh is there any fun in that uh, running gag of Teresa mo being beaten up not really i have got a favorite scene with Teresa mo late one in the movie but that no it doesn't it did, didn't do anything for me it kind of deadpan I'm, I'm sitting here with deadpan face <laughs> it's just that was it no because, because i sort of agree it doesn't they are trying to echo like these uh, visual gags that often happen in Stephen Chow movies where a lot of people beat up one person off screen or you see a group concealed that they're beating up someone yeah, yeah. and then when they move move out from the frame you see the person with you know big hair standing up and all bruised and all of that. Often funny, here it was, well, kind of amusing maybe sort of, okay, let's move on because there's a lot of gags and a lot of loud verbal banter all the time which... Puts the plot in motion, they get them to Canton or Shanghai, I might be confusing it, but I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, the positives is that they get the plot going fairly quickly. Uh, uh, Wang Feihong is going to, he's been invited to open another portulam, uh, and there, there's something fishy going on there. So they get to where they want to go, but then they sort of, they, they start to all gradually reveal everything uh, with, with Carol Cheng's character. They gradually reveal anything. So I kind of like that, but it's the momentum sort of stalls as well at some points in the movie. So, so I don't know. You know, in terms of plot, was it was it a coherent plot and stuff? Yeah, absolutely right. I think it does it does skip along kind of nicely to that point to, to where they're getting to and the plot's going and, and Carol Chung's obviously characters introduced, which is, you know, it's nice and I quite enjoyed those bits. And there's bits in the movies as well that I quite enjoyed, and especially probably Carol Chung being on there and stuff, which is, you know, she's easy on the eye, bless her. But it helps. But from a plot point of view, absolutely. I think it skips along nicely. And then, obviously, there are some dips in it, again, where they, they try to do the, the comedic bits. that Some work and some don't. But I think you're right. When they get to Canton and stuff, they kind of get into that plot fairly quickly, so it doesn't drag as much, shall we say. So 
from that point of view, yeah, yeah, it was good and not point. a lot of uh, five ten minute stretches of nothing. So really, I mean, there's a lot of gags here, but they they keep on moving. You know, when they're on the boat, <laughs> they have a face off where like. Uh, Alan Tam is threatening to stab Theresa Mo, and uh, Umatat is threatening to stab Eric Tsang. And at one point, Umatat's character gets stabbed like five times. Well, he gets stabbed one time, and it's like the fifth time in the first 15 minutes, which is very well timed because they don't make an, any noise. He, he just gets the knife, he looks at it. Oh, and then maybe falls down. <laughs> really, yeah, really. I've I've seen a standoff, but I've never seen a like a a, a stab off before. That's what it exactly. called it. It was quite good. I quite enjoyed that. It was quite good. That you know, it worked for me. That that worked. Those and there were like I say, those scenes like that. That that one worked. It probably, and I quite like that gag. You know, it worked because it was deadpan and looked at it. It was great. And because it keeps moving, it can afford, in my opinion, to. It's a scene that you could cut out uh, yes. when the Canto pop star arrives at the dock. They have a Canto mm-hmm. pop star because Wong Fei Hung crew think everybody is waiting for them. They have signs and everything. No, we're waiting for this famous singer. And uh, and then he arrives, and uh, Carol Cheng's character think it's uh, Wong Fei Hung because uh, clearly. Wong Fei Hong is her enemy, so she beats him up viciously, then uh, heals him, uh, the counterpop singer, and he doesn't know what's going on, but when it comes to, he knows that uh, the girl in red has healed him, and then he asks, like, who beat me up? The girl in red beat me up, and then he just falls out of the frame. Rah! <laughs> you know, his reaction to having found out who beat him and then healed him. is just to do a silly face and fall out of the lower frame, and that is disposable. But yeah. that's the kind of silly stuff, man, that I'm so weak for. Yeah, because who does that? Yeah, exactly. And it is disposable. From that, it could have been done better, written better, directed better. It introduces Carol Cheng's character quite nicely into the whole plot and scene, so you know why she's in there and what's happening. And she's after that. So obviously, that plot thread all of a sudden is in there. It's just not executed very well for a comedic effect, I guess. Yeah, it's it, it's all hit and miss. I mean, I I should admit that. I mean, I, I can lose scenes where they're ordering, uh, they're, they're ordering meat with Anthony Wong, and uh, they're asking like, "I want my fifty percent overdone, half done, one third done, overdone, underdone, and and etc." Just to top each other, and then for no reason whatsoever, they're all of the guys, Alan Tam and uh, and Eric Sang, they're abusing kids at the table, like beggar kids that come to the table, and they, they just keep them in a headlock and abuse them. Okay. I mean, it's it's funny, but it's also disposable. But... Yeah, it is. Yeah, it was. I, say, I don't know why I'm laughing now, because it wasn't funny at the time. I'm just I'm thinking about it now, I'm laughing at it. But at the time, it was like, no, deadpan, no. It's certainly not contextualized, uh, let's just say that. But okay, there is a momentum here that feel that I feel, and it lasts for a good while. I mean, I'll I'll get to where the momentum sort of sort of drops and stalls. But uh, it all is second grade Stephen Chow style humor but manages to be slightly above average of second grade imitation right the sort of so gags are funny the quick the quick reaction to comedic scenarios when people are pulling faces or as i said falling down that that's all decently amusing alan tam going for hookers but finding hobo hookers by mistake not very funny, but it's decently amusing. You know, momentum is kept up to a decent extent, and I think wh- when I think it drops on momentum, because I had fun, I laughed. Granted, a little bit inebriated when I did it, but uh, uh, I still had fun. But when I, where I think it fails in momentum is the scenes with uh, Carol Cheng and Alan Tan, to be honest. Because he, at one point, says... Because she's looking for Wong Fei Hong, so he says... 
even though he doesn't know that, that he's uh, not Wong Fei Hong, his title, that he's uh, his student, uh, Long Fun. So they get on based on that uh, uh, deception. But I felt their scenes sort of was lacking in most everything, really. And she isn't very funny in the movie. I like her in general. The, the the effect of Alan Tan playing Wong Fei Hung has sort of started to worn off, uh, wear off now for me. The whole them becoming friends and not knowing their enemies, it's, there's not strong enough chemistry or banter between the two, which is um, why I'm leaning heavily, not heavily, but mostly towards not Teen Tan for this movie. Because Yeah, this is interesting because I quite enjoyed those scenes and maybe it was for me because it was a break from the comedic slapstick that was that was going on. And to have a different character come in that wasn't funny, it maybe she's supposed to be, you know, but she wasn't really funny. You're right, but I didn't, I didn't take her as a character that should be funny, even though she probably was supposed to be. You're right. It's not. She's um, she's more enthusiastic rather than yeah, exactly. uh, comedic. Yeah. But it was just something different in the mix. I think if you took her out the mix, all of a sudden it's just going to be kind of slapstick, slapstick, slapstick. It kind of slowed the pace down for me a little bit there was a different angle in there and a different part plus and i quite enjoyed that from my point of view it was just different it added a different something to the mix carol cheng is easy on the eye so i suppose that that was probably my cloudy eyes <laughs> no, no 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 not at all not at all you're right you're right she's a beautiful woman unfortunately in her later years she had way too much work done done on her rather than yeah. aging yes, gracefully but uh, different well different but yeah as they do but yeah so you know Yin and yang we are there, I guess, but you know, for me, I, I didn't, I didn't mind that as much. And uh, I, I guess it comes from the fact that I quite enjoyed, I enjoyed most of the comedy where it reached an amusing level. Uh, and but I did enjoy that they managed to string, string together several scenes of comedy to a decently successful level for me, because uh, at one point they're all in the same room, you know, Wong Fei Hung's team and Carol Dodo Chang. It, it, the whole scene is about her fantastic kung fu which makes her a threat because at one point she kicks Matat through the roof <laughs> and then he comes down like a minute later. So he's been to space, essentially. That's rather fun because it's uh, it's supposed to be... It's a physical gag they put on screen to where uh, a stuntman goes through the roof or a, du- a dummy goes through the roof and then he comes down and... ah. Then you get into the whole, like, uh, who's Wong Fei Hung? Well, that's Wong Fei Hung. Eric Tsang... Then it got confusing because then they're talking about Eric Tsang and Matat, their friends, mm-hmm. and Eric Tsang is Wong Fred Hung or something, <laughs> which made me laugh. Like, Wong Fred Hung, that's me. So, it, but I'm getting to a point where Matat and Eric Tsang on their own, uh, like, put, put them in solo positions. Not the most successful venture, but I quite decently liked them riffing on each other and bantering back and forth because that's where they've always, especially Mantat, have flourished. Uh, this is something you might not have picked up on, but Mantat and Stephen Chow did many, many movies together, not just uh, Shaolin Soccer, but they were uh, a little bit of a double team. Okay. So uh, that's what I enjoy when he's uh, combined with someone. And with Eric, it's not classic, but it's certainly preferable to them doing their thing in a solo manner. Yeah, I guess, and especially with characters. I mean, obviously, Eric's been around for a while and stuff, and you know, I, I love him in, um, you know, the straight roles and, and stuff that I've seen him in, and he's great. All of a sudden, you take that comedic accent, but I, I do like, 
Uh, it's saying, I, I, I just, he's, he, I love his face. It's great. It just makes me chortle every time I look at him. He looks like a comedian actor, but he's just got the face for comedy, as they say, didn't they? So, you know, for me, you know, I quite like him as a character with, with most things. Uh, I don't know whether, again, this really works in the role that he's doing, but. You know, again, there were there there were moments of of comedy in this. It just it just didn't gel gel as a whole, I guess, for me. Yeah, certainly. I mean, there are highlights, um, and one of my favorite ones. It's all verbal, and thankfully, it could be translated because it's not a difficult gag. At at one point, a body is dumped before Anthony Wong, and uh, and he says like to Wong Fei Hong, probably, or the one he thinks is Wong Fei Hong, like you're responsible. So. I think I think it's Alan Tam who jumps into the scene like uh, and picks up the uh, the hand or ho- holds up the arm and like it's all decayed it smells bad ooh it's stinky and Eric Tsang is sitting sitting next to him no that's my arm <laughs> which is like I didn't see that coming that was funny that was funny and even with Alan Tam I mean I, I don't truly dislike him but you got to make a judgment you know team Tam or not team Tam and there there are way too many instances of uh, lacking uh, chemistry with uh, especially the female performance I don't think the chemistry is very good with Teresa Mo either and and the comedy falls flat because at one point they're in a scene where they're supposed to reconcile after because they're, they're sort of in love and then they act in this sort of old fashioned way which melodramatic way which is probably a cultural gag that local audience was, would get but here it's it's just uh well that's that's flat and uh and i didn't think i have a feeling alan is less broad here compared to the first one and the director lilik chi is content with having his character established as this mildly broad buffoon and then he doesn't take him very compelling places comedically for me in this one so i'm 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 definitely leaning towards not team time because of a bit of anonymity the, the story is about anonymity and unfortunately alan tammy is a little bit too anonymous for me no hatred and, and probably the freshness has worn off like alan tam is wong fei hong that's awesome let's watch that that has worn off by now yeah by the end yeah i, I was almost going to go team tam because i quite enjoyed the the ending of the film and where it went to and there was a nice kind of twist to it and there was a nice kind of moment of uh, what's the word I'm looking uh, it's for? It's a little dramatic beat, actually. Yeah, a little bit, a bit more dramatic. And there's something, there's something nice about it, and I quite enjoyed the way it was, <clears throat> the way it was done. It was kind of uplifting, and it was, it was nice to see kind of that character as a buffoon character. It's like a David Brent character if you've seen those. He's a buffoon all the way through it and stuff. But at the end, something quite nice happens, and it was the same with Wang Fei Hong. Although it sat, sat through Once Upon a Time here in China, and then sat through. One uh, Master One versus Master One, uh, but at the end of it, there's something quite nice. There's something like nice kind of happens, and I quite enjoyed that. I didn't expect that at the end of the movie that to that for that to happen for something like that, and maybe you know. So at that point, I was I almost turned. I'm I'm not Team Tam on this one. There's not enough for me, but you know, there's more in this one than the last one for me, and maybe it's because I just got used to it. Maybe if I revisited again, I'd have a different opinion because you do when you see film second time round on the first one. But I, I definitely warmed a little bit more. There's, there's a, like I said, there's a few scenes that do stand out, and um, I do like um, Teresa Mo hanging from the rafters. To, it, it yeah, talk, that was a funny I, scene. Yeah, I, I, I chortled. <laughs> Man, that's that's my that's my dark sense of humor coming through. Well, I I thoroughly agree. It uh, it's not. Uh... It's not unheard of of uh, treating uh, attempted suicide like a full-on comedic uh, yeah. comedic scene in Hong Kong cinema, which is uh, what what this is. 
I I have some notes, uh, but I'll skip that to the end because uh, while we're on the uh, the end, I thought it's an it's an end of two halves for me because the first half of the end definitely doesn't work because there's a whole public court session trying to find a real Wong Fei Hong and then defame him in public. That goes slow. It's so goddamn slow. And uh, but when the whole end fight happens and we, we won't spoil who you know it's master wong versus master wong but we won't spoil who, who actually are fighting it is it's using wires and has some stunts involving wires we're in that era but it, it the movie isn't wall-to-wall kung fu obviously the ending is a fairly well grounded and well done fight with uh, a mix of doubles and actors um, doing good i mean there are cartoony touches dealing with wires uh, but the actors are in there, man. Alan Tam and Carol... Oh, <laughs> I spoiled yeah. it. Whatever. The actors <laughs> well, are in there. You know, it's not the usual suspect. So. Yeah. Um, the actors are in there. I mean, Alan Tam and Carol Chang, they're, they're sort of... They're wielding props and destroying uh, destroying the environments. And uh, so I, I think a good way to summarize the end fight is that there's a face to it rather than just posing, a lot of doubles, more posing. But they, they do participate a little bit more. I, I, I love the I, what I think is the final no shadow kick in the movie that Wong Fei Hong does and it's super exciting and then you realize he kicked the wrong person <laughs> and we, we, we won't spoil that because I think that's a great gag yeah it is a great gag because everybody yeah he did it he did it and he does it he does the whole yes and then it's revealed that oh the wrong person crap <laughs> yeah that worked quite well uh, and and then that, that dramatic beat uh, towards the end, not expected, fairly well done. It's the only dramatic beat in the movie, but I would have to say it added to a character I wasn't following very closely because it's a com- it's a comedy, it's a comedic character, but mm. it is genuinely well done. It puts a spin yeah. on the end fight where the characters do show some empathy and humanity and i hong kong cinema is a wild ride dramatically and comedically within the same movie often so i'm i'm receptive to that as well and i um i thought um i thought i was good uh good of you to single out because it is generally well done i think from a dramatic point of view it didn't save it for me but it certainly went a long way for me, because I, uh, it wasn't expected, and it was like I say, it was very well done. I enjoyed that, and it was a nice way to kind of end the movie. So yeah, for me, it was uh, yeah, it was a, it was a nice point. Yeah, I quite enjoyed that. You, you know what I think I missed in this one? Um, I mean, you remember Tony Leung Kafai played the bad guy in the first one, and he played the bad guy a lot. He was broad in that movie. <laughs> I, I guess I was missing that because Anthony mm. didn't. Uh, he was just a small businessman and that was it that I, I, I didn't really find that compelling one scene that is sort of semi-compelling is when Wong Fei Hung and Anthony Wong they're about to engage in a boxing match and they're sort of uh, building up and doing you know <laughs> boxing poses yeah. and for no reason whatsoever but it's so out of left field it works when they start they, they don't start to box but they start to go back and forth in a pantomime sort of way and then for some reason they start to you know, do c- driving car pantomime, and you get like those sounds on a soundtrack. So you go like, <laughs> such a bizarre back and forth between them. But that that's just sort of me, like, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I the car standoff, as I call it. Yeah, yes, they're just yes. mimicking this guy. Kind of, they're not throwing any punches. They just got their jukes up against each other. Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I got it again. 
funny. It kind of worked. It's a visual gate. It, it worked. It, yeah, it was good. And that's what I mean. There are bits when you pull out this movie that they do they do work. It's just as a whole. It, 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 it just there's not enough. There's not enough there. But bits of, the scenes like that are, are worth. It's worth worth seeing. I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, uh, I found it amusing at points, but I think. Uh... That, um, that there wasn't enough for me to to rank it as as amusing as the first one, um, and I, I guess the box office of nineteen million dollars for the first one versus twelve for the second one, which is decent enough, uh, sort of said to everybody that we've probably done all we can and we're all busy anyway, uh, you know, as filmmakers and actors. Uh, Mantat was already had already starred with uh, Stephen Chow in uh, yeah. Uh, all for the winner, their breakout movie, and there uh, would in 1992 and 1993 and 1994 with director Lilik Chi. So I think everybody was happy and busy and uh, was cool with putting down Alan Tam as uh, Wong Fei Hung and uh, uh, settling at two movies, uh, but um, which is fair enough. Be- better movies by Lilik Chi would follow. I mean, it's not his uh, comedic reference material here, the, the ones he did with. Uh, Stephen Chow and Matat, the likes of Flirting Scholar and so forth. That's um, that's uh, what I like better. Uh, so, any other words about the movie, my friend? No, that's it. Um, you got the only thing I think uh, mentioned is you got the same kind of opening scene this time with the Alan Tam, uh, the one found character uh, drowning in the sea rather than splashed with water from the first one. Yep. Um, there's that um, to reference it. Oh, it must be that kind of movie. Um, I think there was a, there was a, there was a, a gag with the Anthony Wong and stuff. It, it kept saying, oh, why are you laughing? And then he goes, oh, I don't know and stuff. I never quite got to grips with that. There, there was something going on, but I never really, I don't know, I never really got to the end of it and stuff. Like It started at, at the beginning and a couple of times it happened, but... I don't think they concluded that one for me, and um, but apart from that, and the um, I enjoyed the the finale of the movie. I think um, yeah, that's done on my notes. Cool. And as for availability, it, this was part of the Ocean Shores library, and uh, their DVD, they did the DVD of it, is out of print, and rights have not been passed on to anyone that's currently pressing it. Uh, White site did at least a VCD, but that is also out of print, but it does use the same cropped to full frame cinema print as uh, Ocean Shores uh, had. Uh, but it's all watchable, all, all things considered, if you find a version of it, uh, you know, the subtitles aren't uh, cropped where you can't read them or anything, so yeah, so you'll have to settle with that. But uh, the the first one came from a universe DVD, so we had like a letterboxed and optional subtitles thing there. But uh, not for this one. But uh, it's all if I find that DVD, then I'll certainly pick it up if it's reasonable, pr- reasonably priced. Okay, buddy, halfway to the end, uh, so, so to say, a, a good end or a bad end in terms of uh, what we think of the next movie. Dun, 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 dun. Oh. Yes, let's let's see. It's uh, exciting. One more to go. I can't believe it. Oh, so not Team Tam for if you're keeping score so far. Not Team Tam. No, I'm not Team Tam. It's not the worst. Not Team Tam that no. I've uh, d- that I've given out. Like he's been, he's been, he's been worse. He's been like a steaming hot pile of not Team Tam before. <laughs> this was fine yeah. I, I have to settle on something and uh, i'll settle on that even though i don't hate it so but uh, after a break we'll do the review of till death do we scare and talk a little bit about why tom savini well i don't really know why but we'll, we'll talk of that tom savini worked on as a makeup effects artist on till death do we scare so uh, sit tight and uh, we'll do the review after the break Westerns, comedies, foreign films, horror movies, action-adventure, and classic cinema, 
Well, we don't have much of that, but if you like ass, titties, farting, burping, puffy nipples, poop, taboo porn, muffin tops, comic books, wrestling, mustaches, pie smashed on butts, cheese, taking baths, butt sex, gagging, milk, and the American flag, check out the Silva and Gold podcast. We're the morons your mom warned you about while she was sitting on your face. Silva and Gold. We talk about movies and shit. Find us on iTunes or silverandgold.com. And welcome back in a final review of the Alan Tam Crapping Hour Sessions. If you will, it's Till Death Do We Scare from 1982. So we didn't go for his newest movie or anything. We went uh, back in time for no particular reason other than there's some stuff to discuss about this one. But uh, plot, first of all, from Hong Kong Movie Database. Irene, played by Olivia Cheng, has had lots of bad luck with her husband. Her first husband, B-actor Walter Fink, played by David Chang, was run over by a construction truck. I think it was a steamroller, as a matter of fact. Uh, her second uh, husband, mob bo- boss Butcher Man, played by Wong Ching, was killed at her wedding by a flying bird uh, flying into his mouth. And her third husband, a priest, presiding at her uh, presiding rather at her second wedding, Steward Pig, played by Raymond Wong, was killed after. After their wedding when he saw the ghosts of the first two husbands. Together, the three ghosts must conspire to set her up with a radio personality, which is Alan Tam's character. It says here his name is Alan, and as a matter of fact, in the movie he's called Bruce Sit, because that's a pun on the fact that Bruce Sit sounds like bullshit. Ha ha ha. <laughs> so there we are. I'll do my quick opinion first, because it's interesting how my opinion of this movie has changed. Uh, I wrote the review many years ago and a different pair of eyes was looking at that movie then versus now and i called it frantic and hilarious then now it doesn't seem to have much momentum is is at best amusing but barely and only springs to life sporadically during some of the special effects scenes so that that's my opinion of till death do we scare what do you think of the movie and for my first viewing of it um i quite enjoyed it maybe it's just the emotional bit of me kicking in again and it's the the last alan tam in the series review and maybe i wanted to love it more so therefore i did but in actual fact i quite enjoyed it the first time around watching it so um yeah for me um it, it held up quite well so C- cinema city i mean they had the intent clearly in the beginning of the 80s of beefing up professionalism in their pro- uh, productions through foreign talent and aces go places really started off that and continued to foster and breed that with behind the scenes uh, stunt crew uh, western actors appearing in um, in uh, the flicks i mean aces go places free has uh, both uh, peter graves and also richard keel playing essentially jaws so it's uh you know the james bond connection is very very firm there so cinema city's eye was clearly on the west um and they were looking at the West in... They weren't looking at action comedy crew or anything. Because they went after and got special effects artist, actor, director, stuntman Tom Savini to do the special effects makeup for Till Death Do We Scare. And he wasn't at the beginning of his career. Not at all. He was busy, man. In the beginning of the 80s, he had already done Dawn of the Dead, Friday the 13th, Maniac, The Burning. So they hired him, but they didn't feel hire him to do 
a Hong Kong slasher, zombie or gore movie, but they hired him for a ghost comedy. And that's some kind of genre bravery and very cool they hired him for a local production rather than something pretending to be a western genre effort that you could associate with Tom Savini. Uh, so I, I, I quite, I, I quite uh, find that, uh, find that um, smart and brave, to be honest. Um, you're familiar with his work. I mean, uh, were you ever a horror fan back in the day of those kind of, you know, fairly extremely gory movies? Not overly. I think, um, obviously, my uh, I, I knew they were about. I was never really into horror. My wife turned me on to horror. I have to say, so I never saw Halloween until uh, I met my wife. What you know. 14 years ago so she turned around to horror i love horror now I, everything that's horror horror's the first kind of on my list and stuff so it's something that i i really quite enjoy all those films and then i caught up with the uh the chinese writer with mr vampire etc you know those kind of things but i enjoy them now i enjoy that genre that i missed out on for for many years and i suppose i just caught up with it also yeah i enjoy the uh the horror genre now and i didn't know what to expect from this movie because just gave it to me i didn't read up on it or anything i just uh, as i always do i just pop it in and, and watch it and just see so i suppose i enjoyed it because it was just something different for a change i didn't expect it to be what it was like as well so i enjoyed that kind of element to it his work, Tom's work, and by the way, uh, listeners, I'm sure you you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Tom's also acted. He's uh, one of the characters in From Dust Till Dawn, the guy with the crotch uh, gun. That's uh, that's Tom. I don't. He didn't do uh, special effects for the movie. That uh, was the K and B guys who did uh, did effects work on that movie. But uh, you know, he's an actor. He's in Dawn of the Dead as well. He's one of the bikers and even does uh, stunts for that movie and makeup and. Uh, Obviously, Day of the Dead, I think, is one of his crowning achievements, uh, Tom, for it's such a disgusting movie, man. And uh, so, so, yeah, I, I think it's such a cool coup. And uh, can, can you be- look up recent pics of Tom Savini? Can you believe that guy is 70 years old? No. He looks like he hasn't changed uh, in 20, 30 years. Looks right, you know? don't I? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, ripped, too. That guy keeps in shape. <laughs> You you went in with no uh, expectations and no conceptions and all of that, so you you don't know what the whole dropping monster puppets into frame and uh, claws trying to get Wong Ching is about at the beginning of the movie. It just screams puppets from Tom Savini's workshop, which was uh, very very amusing. But then he breaks mood because it's a happy birthday scene. <laughs> so you realize, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you thought of this, but it, it certainly isn't a Western movie just because they had the guy. It's a, it, it's a very light-hearted uh, Hong Kong movie. You know, yeah. uh, it doesn't really attempt to scare us throughout the movie uh, or, or throw gore at us. It never throws gore at us. I, I, I admire that, even though I'm not a big fan of the movie, that uh, it's uh, it feels like a holiday movie, to be honest. It wasn't released at the Lunar New Year. But it feels like a holiday movie. It's not very demanding as such, and uh, but got some technical stuff that we've not seen before in Hong Kong cinema, though. Yeah, I think it was just a it was a kind of slash of the genres. I just I, I enjoyed the whole story for a change. It was just something different that come out of left field. And again, you've plucked it out of obscurity for me. And when I watched it, and I just thought, you know what, I quite enjoyed this. is This is a different kind of movie for me than ones that I'm used to watching i guess and i i i enjoyed that i enjoyed the bravery of kind of doing this kind of film or maybe the bravery of me watching it <laughs> i'm scared wifey hold my hand 
But uh, what did you think of the whole uh, montage of uh, the trio dying in uh, a variety of ways? Uh, did you think that was uh, creative? Uh, you, you got David Chang, Wong Ching, and Raymond Wong meeting their demise in various yeah, ways. Yeah, because again, I, you know, I didn't know who was in it. I just popped it on and said, oh, David Chang, whoa, blimey. And then he's dead. Oh, okay, hold on a second. And then obviously the bed in the mouth one, I'm like, really? Really? But, you know, they set it up quite nicely. So, I mean, the Steve Wallace scene's still quite funny. But um, I did this nicely. And the ghost, you know, they're there all of a sudden. You, you get to, okay, we know what's going on kind of straight away and stuff. And I joined that. I thought, okay, this is going to be different. Then there's ghosts. They're going to be haunting. Okay, this is, this is kind of, this is going to be fun. This is something different. I hadn't expected it. And I suppose it's one of those that catches your left field and you go, okay, I wasn't expecting this. So, I probably enjoyed it from that point of view. Well, 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 never make excuses for your enjoyment, though, man, because enjoy- enjoyment is enjoyment. Absolutely. And, uh, I just a reason why I would, yeah. And, and so the scenario is absolutely spot on and perfect and fun. It just uh, never reached any uh, comedic momentum. It mostly tries, no, not clever gags, but it's supposed to be about fast-paced character banter and uh, the, the volume of it and the chemistry of it creating the enjoyment. I thought that was... Uh, what I was missing uh, this time around, but uh, you're right. The 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 death scenes for David Chang, Wong Ching, and Raymond Wong, it, they're very amusing. There's a amusing domino effect for David Chang's death because the bullet misses, and then lots of silly things happen, and then he ends up being uh, you know destroyed by a, a crushed by a steamroller. Um, and Wong Ching, you know, with that big big smile, no wonder, big mouth and big smile, no wonder he chokes on a bird. And, uh, you know, he's the gangster archetype as well. He, you know, even at his wedding, he's laughing maniacally. <laughs> and then he said, he's dead. So, uh, I don't know really. I, I I guess they just frightened Raymond Wong to death. Uh, I guess that was it. I don't remember if they did anything to him. Uh, but but it's it's not meant to be terribly frightening, right? It's not hardcore horror, horror right? No, this is, this is light-hearted comedic horror genre. Ghosts. It's not spent like you say. It's not a hardcore. It's tipping those different genres, which are quite enjoyed about it. It's just something quirky that I wasn't expecting. I guess, and it, it worked quite well for me. But I guess, like like you said, when you come back and revisit it, if I come back to it again in several years, I'm not going to have that same feel for the movie because it's not going to let. It isn't going to be one I go. I wish I well, I need to watch that again. And if I did watch it, I don't think it'd be the same as the first time I watched it because you lose all that. Oh, this is new. This is different. You know what's coming. You've seen it. Will it give me those laughs? Will it, you know, that? But as a first time viewer, yeah, it was it was enjoyable. Cool. And uh, that's also, as I would say, it's also very fair. Uh, introduction of uh, Alan Tam playing uh, a radio theater actor, you know, uh, w- <laughs> yeah. w- which means he intentionally overdoes and overperforms the uh, theater because it is theater of the mind after all. Yes. So, and it's a live play with Eric Sang doing live uh, Foley for him. So all the screw-ups are, they, they have to think on their feet. They have to improvise, you know. At one point, you know, it's supposed to be haunting haunting music uh, on the soundtrack as part of the story. And they mistakenly play some disco instead. Ha, ha, ha. You can tell I wasn't very infatuated <laughs> with this scene. <laughs> no, no, I know what you mean. It's an introduction, but you kind of guess, you know, that's okay. That's fine. It's an introduction to the characters, you know. I kind of liked it. It was different. You know, it's an old-fashioned radio show that, you know, they're still on Radio 4 over here. They still do those kind of things and stuff. But but the crucial thing that doesn't work for me is that they, they, they set up this duo, you know, Alan Tam and Eric Tsang are friends. Him bouncing off of Eric, I didn't think worked. It, it's not... 
it, it it's not very honed. It's it, there's not not a very clever tone to the banter. It's just standard Hong Kong stuff. Yes, it's not meant to evoke the next best clever thing, but it certainly would have elevated my enjoyment if I found their dual act more enjoyable, which I actually did not. I thought it fell very flat. And we're also, by the way, in the era where Ek Tsang didn't didn't dub himself, so it's a different guy dubbing a very hoarse, uh, you know, normally hoarse voiced, uh, very very light voice of Ek Tsang. That's someone else dubbing him, and it's like passing through, like we pass through a dimension portal and uh, gone over to the other side where Eric Tsang doesn't sound like that. And it doesn't sound right, Phil. Doesn't sound like Eric Tsang, yeah. <laughs> it's an imposter. But what did you think of their, uh, their, their sort of dual act? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, it didn't quite, didn't work as a double act. As you say, they didn't quite have the chemistry here. I didn't mind Alan Tam as much, but as a, as a double act, like I say, he didn't kind of click as it as it should have done yeah because it wants to it wants to have more life that then i think is uh showing yeah. here i mean if you cut to the wong fei hong movies they did master wong and the once upon a time a hero in china it tended to work a little bit more a little bit more veteran skill behind the camera a little bit more veteran skill before the camera so for me, there was no true like voice here. It's just comedy stuff, and uh, any actors would do really in 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 this case. To be honest, they are intercha- interchangeable. The the feel that we get here means that you could have handed this off to any actor, in my opinion. But I do like um, some some special effects uh, dips that we get every now and again in the movie. It, it it's not all over the place. I, I wanted more, but it's not all all over the place. But you got possible, you know, grow, uh, going through walls effects uh, mm-hmm. as, as the ghost appears before Eric Tsang. I think he's standing before a projection, so you see David Chang walk through walls and all of that. And, uh, and, and the night scenes are, are wonderfully classic Hong Kong because uh, they're using, you know, blue uh, blue lights versus the black contrast of the night if you will i always enjoy that i think the night scenes look really really good actually and uh, uh that always puts me in a good mood to see a style a style like that uh, and, but but the trio though the ghost trio they need to bounce off each other as well they're they're, they're necessarily not best buddies but they're not deadly enemies as well because they have a they have a common goal of uh you know breaking the curse of uh, poor wifey to make her found uh, find a new husband that will live, so they add they they act as supernatural matchmakers. So, uh, any particular spontaneous notes on how the guys act together and uh, and what they do to manipulate the surroundings to make this love happen? <laughs> I like the concept of it. I just thought I, I suppose I was caught up in the story and the concept. Was like, okay, there's three ghosts. They're gonna they're gonna get Alan Tam to serenade olivia chang and they manipulate him and they're dancing with him and take him on the dance floor and out for dates and stuff and then they you know they move his body because he, he can't dance so they they jump in and they help him dance and things like that and it was quite good i quite enjoyed that and i kind of enjoyed the whole theory of it and and what they were doing and as as the characters i think over the movie the three of them i quite enjoyed it they kind kind of came together it kind of worked when you got more meat on the bone through the the story yeah I, I i quite enjoyed it i quite i quite enjoyed that whole that was the concept of the movie that obviously they wanted to bring somebody else in to break this curse and, and set them up so therefore they would do i kept thinking ghosts with patrick swayze for some reason what i don't know why 
I yeah, just like I think that was uh, more about uh, getting her out of peril. I think uh, that was yeah. the deal with that one. Uh, yeah, not a bad movie. I'm not putting yeah, it down. No, I like I like Ghost. Yeah, it's quite good. the trio they're okay, the, uh, and and I like their little uh, shenanigans that they go through. You know, they uh, as they act as matchmakers. You know, they have a, a light set up and a fan. <laughs> you know, in the background, like they're they're, they're filmmakers almost, like uh, setting the scene. So and a lot of that is like low key jokes, which I appreciated and. Uh, so so they're okay, and their manipulation is fun to see, because yeah. I, I like the image of how do we make them slow dance? Well, we'll just put our backs to Olivia Chang and Alan Tam and walk yeah. backwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was nice. The problem, though, is Alan Tam, he is essentially stalking her. <laughs> uh, he's not uh, this uh, little boy who's in love or anything. Essentially, he's stalking her. It's, um, it's largely lame and unfunny, and again... I've, I've, we're, coming, we're coming to a theme here. There's certainly no charisma with the leading lady. Which, it's a problem, man. I mean, here's the thing. It's a romantic, fluffy comedy. But you need to feel like you like these persons together, at the very least. I'm not expecting a drama. A full-on character drama from no. birth to old age. And we gotta have a full character gallery here. And and journeys. But he's so young, I think he's... Uh, he's he built charisma over, over time. So it could work in certain movies post a movie like this but it, it, it it's it's certainly flat i mean it's the same in the ringo lamb movie esprit d'amour which we've done for the director series uh ringo lang stepped in and finished directing on that one but it's still his movies and and it's sort of the same thing there with alan tam it's he, he can't they, they, they sort of push i guess leading ladies and him together and hope for the best mm. and it really never really happens but you you still need to put some some blame on somewhere, and I always chose choose Alan Tam. Here's what <laughs> <laughs> Olivia Olivia can do no wrong, man. Thumbs up to Olivia. <laughs> yeah, this is this is where I, I have a problem. That obviously I had my rose tinted glasses on for this movie because it was my the last in the series, and I didn't mind Alan Tam so much. I I, I admit the chemistry wasn't strong, but I think it was better than. It has been in other movies, mm-hmm. just that it wasn't so from Alan. It wasn't so hammy the acting, as it were. There wasn't so maybe he just felt more more hammy's acting as he as he did more. There was there was probably less, so therefore there was more for me. If that makes sense, there was less acting. There was less overacting. There was there was less to it, so it worked better for me. I, I admit the chemistry wasn't there as it should be, but again, rose tinted glasses. I didn't mind it as much, and it just kind of worked for the story i mean it is it is fluff and you should and and and, and you should take off your critics cap too but we're, we're here <laughs> because we're doing this we can't <laughs> the energy where we, the movie has energy is in the special effects uh, showcase uh, you know and, and and the visuals connected to that there there's some fun visuals like when the the judge of hell comes out of this door or administrator and when he goes back in though he opens one door and there's like nagging women in one door. So he chooses chooses the other door yes. where there's whipping and torture and yeah. shit. And then he goes into that one instead. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, this is this is like a film from 1982. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, what do you expect and stuff for special effects? But you know what? That, that, it, it works. All workable, man. All workable. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and it looks good. And it, you, you raise a laugh from it. Ah, oh, yeah, that's funny. He opens the door, shuts that one, goes back into hell with the screen. But it works. It's good. It's clever. It's funny. It's good. It's good writing. I I enjoyed. I enjoyed it. That, and that's probably why I enjoyed the the movie as a you know as a as a bit of fluff as you say as what it is because it was just a bit different and I was quite surprised, taken aback a bit by it. What did you think of um, when the special effects 
really for the first time when they really let Tom Savini work the most is the sequence where the guys scare Alan Tam. You know, um, when David Chang scares Alan Tam in the shower and uh, when Wong Ching scares Alan Tam with his big smile. I mean, you've seen your share of Hong Kong movies. This is not their bread and butter to do prosthetic effects and puppetry yeah. like this. So what do you think seeing this level of professionalism and, uh, I mean, seeing David Chang's face cave in, essentially? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was good. I wasn't, I kind of, I, I don't know what I was expecting. I suppose that's a good thing of it. So then when I saw it, I thought, you know, this is good for the for the time it was. And like I say, we refer back to 982 because that's what it was. I don't know what I was expecting from a movie, but I quite enjoyed those scenes and I was quite enjoyed the special effects in those scenes and the level that you you got. And they worked well in the scenes that they they did. It, it, it kind of worked for me and the prosthetics obviously worked. Yeah, yeah it was good. I enjoyed it. And and they sort of, uh, the, the cons, you know, Wong Cheng's real smile is quite wide. So it, it's suitable that the, he, he scares Alan Tan by, by, you know, pulling a face and then pulling it large, 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 and then, you know, flapping his skin about and, uh, you know, making his uh, frightened that way. So uh, they, they got a suitable actor for Tom to uh, to work with. And uh, what concept do you do you put in for an actor with a wide smile? Well, let's use that wide smile. It's a good mixture of, uh, and, and these physical effects too, thankfully. It, it's not wall-to-wall Tom Savini, which uh, is clever in a way. It makes it uh, a very recognizable Hong Kong movie and not this um, otherworldly sort of um, entity that is, feels more West. Uh, I would have liked more because it adds to the general fun and energy of the movie when they do put special effects on screen where there is more visual effects too, as we discussed uh, you know, when we see various characters in a second scene coming out of hell, you know, you got the judge and his bailiffs, and they're armed, which bailiffs usually are, I think. And but but they're they're animals. I think they're bulls, supposed to be bulls, because they have uh, these nose rings and a little bit of uh, face makeup. But they do lo- look like armed, you know, pale faced guards. And th- those visuals are are very fun, and uh, that's uh, all fairly acceptable. I just wanted a little bit more of that, a little bit more um- oomph and energy. It worked quite well, though, because you've got all that in the, the prosthetics and everything else and stuff, but then there were little moments of stuff, because obviously there's all the scares and stuff, and then obviously Irene Olivia Cheng, you know, turns around and she's got a, the, a face mask on. You know, I thought it was quite funny and stuff because he's scared, and it's just a face mask, that's all. It's just, you know, as a visual, without everything else, just as a simple visual and a, and a simple laugh, that worked quite well as well, because you could go overboard on the you know prosthetics and the and the visuals and everything else and stuff and just scanning back and just a gag like that that works as well and yes, that's good. I, agree. I think if you overdo it, you know, there's too much and they go, oh well, actually no, that didn't work then. But what they did worked really well. Very much so. I mean, and they also poured on by by the end with the ghost festival imagery. By that point, though, I tuned out why Alan Tam needed to find a body or the ashes of the ghost king and why Eric yeah. Tsang were transporting David Chang, Wong Ching and Raymond Wong and the umbrellas. I had no idea why that was happening. But <laughs> at, at the very least, the ghost festival imagery and the whole sequence that happens at the, the party for the ghost. mm. ghosts. That was fairly fun because you got all the corpses wake, wake up after having been asleep for a while, you know. It's party time. I haven't seen you for a year. I haven't seen you for a year. And they arrive at this party that is made out of paper because that's what they do. They burn effigies, I think it's called, for the afterlife. And they, they burn, you know, cars and TVs and washing machines. And uh, 
and that's what they've done in real life probably for the ghosts because it's a full party with food a kitchen and uh, i think i saw a washer there or a dishwasher in the kitchen and it's all made out of paper and i thought that was very impressive because we normally see these big things being put into furnaces and stuff but i've never seen a room made out of uh, paper uh well the appearance of paper anyway yeah. And I, I had, I think my biggest chuckle was that they're, they're going to have a raffle. <laughs> <laughs> and the raffle uh, grand prize is you can win an air conditioned deluxe coffin. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to look, uh, the, the, the winner is the one that looks the most human. And there's Alan Tan walking around in the yeah, party. Well, and everybody says, like, you look superhuman. You, you probably haven't been dead for long. That's it. You're going to win this. <laughs> Any thoughts on this uh, Ghost Festival uh, um, scene, if you will? No, yeah, I like to say I quite enjoyed it and stuff. He's a, a only human now. I was just thinking, why do they not know he's human and everybody else is a ghost? But you know, like I say, the kid bomb thing. Oh yeah, you'll you'll win this prize and stuff because you're you're the most human. So I quite enjoyed it. Like I say, I have no idea why he was there and everything else. It kind of seemed to be tactile. All of a sudden, he's there and like I say, Eric's saying he's like taking the ghosts and umbrellas and it just didn't seem to work. But the the visual scene with the the mansion, the paper mansion, and the, obviously this ghost king and stuff, and yeah, even the even the car that they they're coming in and stuff, which you obviously realise that they're using their feet a bit like the Flintstones yeah. to drive it and stuff. It's it's comedy. It's funny. I quite enjoyed that. You know, it was kind of a Flintstones moment. Yeah, no, I I was using his feet. Oh, okay, I got it. Yeah, it's good. It worked. Because it would be a car in the afterlife. That's why they yeah. use that car to ram like multiple goals yeah. at one yes. point, uh, you know, exactly. in, in one go. And that's how the sort of deal works. I know I sound uneducated, but they, <laughs> they don't they don't burn paper effigies and they receive paper uh, products in the end. It's supposed to be the, in the afterlife. If they burn a car, they'll get a car. You know, yeah. it's, uh, it's supposed to work uh, like that. So it, it's a wonderfully like out there concept and uh, th- there are some laughs here the special effects flashes work really really well here's where they put tom to work and there's more people here so he's asked to do more makeup rather than like one or two there's you know uh, a 10 15 people scene or whatever so there there's uh, there's a fair amount of that and they get you got a big transformation sequence as well with the ghost king uh transforming into a monster and uh, there you always do that in cuts you know you the transformation goes on little by little you know claws extend and your face uh, and your ears uh, transform that's all good that wasn't hong kong's bread and butter they needed a professional to make this happen and it certainly did and there's also some nastier makeup effects uh, around this time because one goes like rips her face off and you can see like slimy you know looking uh, skin underneath the skin or whatever so that's clearly Tom's uh, bread and butter. He knew that stuff very, very well. And uh, sporadic use of him, but this sequence is the biggest use of uh, of him. But here's the kicker, and w- why I think it is amusing that they got Tom overall. It's the, it's not a haunted house setting. It's not a zombie setting. It's a very uniquely Asian setting with the ghost festival, the paper mansion they make it their own. They, they they are making their own movie. They're not venturing too too much outside of Hong Kong and making something that feels too foreign for their audience. They're making it for their audience, but they got a professional to help elevate that. And they they, they should be proud because the the movie looks a dynamite in the special effects department. Even though I'm not very much on board with the comedic department, but um, 
you, you got some eyeballs popping out and stuff like that so it's and, and manipulated prosthetics as i said so that sequence is all good fun and um but it doesn't switch to hardcore like oh my god she ripped her face off they're gonna kill us because the chase is still of alan tam and eric Tsang when they finally do figure out they're humans <laughs> it, it's still light you know it has light music and stuff so it, it's it's never meant to be truly scary even though they dip into that face uh, skin ripping thing because that is quite scary it's not for children acceptable ending but a very uh, uh, uneven uh, movie in terms of tempo and momentum and a big well a fairly big not team town for this one it's um, anonymous and then some yeah no i i agree with what you're saying i'm gonna go team town because i had rose tinted glasses on Hmm. I suppose I enjoyed it more than I probably should. I didn't mind Alan Tam in the role. Uh, yeah, you probably could have had anybody if you really analyse it. But you know what? He didn't ham it up as much as I expected he was going to. Um, I quite enjoyed him in the role. But like I say, you, you could have had anybody in the role, to be honest. But as a, as a film, I quite enjoyed the film. It was it was, it was was different. And there was a little bit of a, a Tales from the Crypt kind of ending at the window. That was uh, I like that little special effect as well. That was good. The the other thing that stood out and stuff there's the, there's a catchy tune in the middle of it as well so um you know you can uh, scary scary oh mama mama oh I tell you what you could you could listen to that tune all day that was that was brilliant <laughs> okay I've heard worse pop songs but that was rather <laughs> lame actually <laughs> like it's written by kids for kids let's have Alan Tam perform it <laughs> well I think if uh, blame uh, Teddy, uh, Teddy Kwan for that one. We never mentioned um, that uh, Lau Gawing directed this movie, and uh, I've uh, seen him do better. Uh, certainly, uh, if you were to seek out like uh, what is a good movie that Lau Gawing did, that is a true Hong Kong movie. <laughs> Look out, Scared Stiff. Scared Stiff is uh, yeah. such a. It's like dreamscape. Hong Kong comedy, Hong Kong uh, rapey comedy to an extent, even though it's not My Lucky Stars rapey, but it's a little bit. Plus, some of the most brutal violence you'll ever see in a Hong Kong movie, like Chai and Fat plays the bad guy, that one. Uh, he is a fucking monster. And then a scrapyard attacks Chai and Fat by the end. I love Scared Stiff. That is such a. Let, let's put everything in the movie that doesn't belong there and see if we can technically do that. And boy, did they have it. It also has uh, traces of um, of the Jallo as well. Like uh, it, so, some murder scenes feel lifted out of a Dario Argento movie or like a second rate or Dario Argento movie, but still it's got the you know, black gloves and uh, all of that. So that's uh, that's uh, good stuff. Uh, we even did a commentary on the network for Sketch Stiff um, because uh, we. We quite dug that. Um, so, so yeah, if you want to see Chinefoot in a really, really bad guy role, that's a, that, that's your movie. Do you remember Dreamscape? That uh, Dennis Quaid movie where they yeah, yeah, went yeah. into dreams and stuff. And yes. uh, yeah, That's my end of my notes. So do you want to say anything else about Till Death Do We Scare? Scary, scary. Oh, mama, mama. Oh, Shut up. sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. As for availability, it was released on DVD by Delta Mac and subsequently Joy Sales, but these editions are now out of print, so I look for used copies primarily, but I'm sure you can find it online as well. So, um, the thing is, we've done the Alan Time Crapping Hour and we've uh, liked certain movies. We haven't liked certain movies. And, uh, you know, in all fairness, as uh, Jay suggested also, we should tally it up to see if we are officially. Because this is official. I'm going to tattoo in my Team Tam or not Team Tam at the end of this podcast, obviously. But uh, let's tally it up. Uh, but let's just go through each and every movie, but uh, not 
not the movies, all the movies from the Team Tam list first, and all the movies from the not Team Tam movie afterwards, because you can you can make, you can tally it up much easier that way. Uh, but we'll, we'll we'll mix and match and just say like a word or two about each movie from each list. So uh, if I just uh, start us start us off and then we'll jump back and forth. Lost Blood, probably the coolest Alan Tam uh, performance and presence. Uh, genuinely good action movie hero performance from Alan Tam. I think that stands as the strongest I've seen him. Absolutely. In. And I think because uh, it was my kind of coming back to it again, I enjoyed it more the second time around. So, uh, and, and especially from Alan Tam, probably the strongest. You're absolutely right. Pantyhose Hero, there's a lot of faults with that one uh, that I have, I have personal beefs with that one. <laughs> Alan Tam's comedic uh, role, his uh, flamboyant role, obviously, because they play uh, an undercover couple. They play them as a gay couple, him and Sammo Hong. Uh, not the strongest comedic beats and not the most politically correct beats. Fantastic, brutal Sammo Hong action doesn't make that movie a thorough winner. So that's uh, my memory of uh, Pantyhose Hero. Uh, any spontaneous notes on it? Uh, no, totally great. Uh, love the film from uh, an action point of view, Sammo Hong and stuff. Alan Tam doesn't cut the mustard in this one, but uh, as a film, you should definitely uh, seek that one out um, for Sammo Hong fans, action fans. But um, it's uh, a no-no for Alan Tam. I'd be crapping on him for that one. And as we established once upon a time here in China, I was on board with the first emergence of the silly Wong Fei Hong, and not so much with the second emergence of silly Wong Fei Hong in Master Wong versus Master Wong. And and you were reversed, I think. You, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, once upon a time in China. Here, no, I didn't. I I couldn't. I couldn't get into that. I was. I was not a not a fan. I was not a damn fan for that one. A big fan zero for me. And Master One versus Master One. I'm, re- I'm really on the fence. I'm going to say no because I enjoyed it more than the first one. But again, I just couldn't quite enjoy it as much. So again, I'm I'm not a Tam fan. And uh, Till Death Do We Scare, as I said, that, that that's a fairly big no. Um, inter- you can change him into any actor, and I didn't enjoy the chemistry of his leading lady, and uh, I didn't think he was funny. Uh, I, either by himself or with Eric Tsang, so. Yeah, and, and for me, I had rose-tinted glasses on, so I'm Team Tam. Uh, Dragon Family one of the very strong ones it's a big ensemble piece and we hit upon the theme in Dragon Family that Alan Tam is a very good non-verbal actor actually Uh, we we make fun of the fact that don't talk don't talk and you'll do all right. (laughs) but it's it's a very serious role very brooding role he plays a gangster and he's uh, made part of that uh, I think Lao Gawain directed that as well Um, but it's uh, him and his brother I think did the action for it quite an excellent dark violent uh, time with uh, Hong Kong gangsters so Dragon Family including Alan Tam is a big it's a big thumbs up and team time for that one. Yeah, team time for me uh, from uh, Who Bloodshed uh, for Alan Tam brooding classic film and Alan Tam brings something to that role. So team time for me. And let's just randomly jump for, uh, jump back and forth. Mummy Dearest was the movie where he played a serial killer, essentially. Directed by Ronnie Yu. Not fantastic, but I quite enjoyed the switch in the screen persona. Um, we're used to a certain screen persona, not this uh, psychologically uh, unstable character. And uh, as I said, Mamma Dearest is not a fantastic film, but I was fairly firmly on the Team Tam side of that one, actually. Yeah, one of my one of my kind of favourites of the series, because I'd not seen it and I was introduced to it, and absolutely Alan Tam smashes it out of the park for me in this film. Um, so uh, I'm definitely rooted in Team Tam for this one. 
Uh, lucky stars go places. Uh, no one came off well in that one, including Alan Tam as the dog whisperer. It's just... Uh, that series has always been rapey, to, to a degree. That one was super rapey. And it just... Really, guys, really, guys, is that funny for the third or fourth time in a row? Well, I guess it is. And uh, I just think it was uh, lame and bad and bland and also quite distasteful, to be honest. Uh, so, but but that 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 I mean, it, it is. I mean, I can tolerate yeah, a lot it, of stuff. But like, for the first movie, fine. For the second movie, let's do the same joke again. For the fourth fucking time again with the new gang, just because they're new, we're gonna amp up the rapey uh, the rapey humor. Well, that they did. Uh, fantastic action set piece towards the end with uh, Andy Lau and what have you. But uh, God damn it, that was a low point for everyone involved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, skip to the end. Watch the uh, action sequence. It's well worth, uh, well worth it. But um, forget the rest and uh, forget Alan Tam. They were not team Tam for me in that one. Yeah, and the same with Ninety Seven Aces Go Places, a movie that definitely wasn't branded Aces Go Places when they were making it. I think they just slapped the theme onto it and the name onto it, and uh, it's mostly intolerable. Also from everyone involved. I think uh, Alan tries just like everyone to be broad and funny and it just simply doesn't work he wasn't the worst offender in that one the likes of francis mm, was i think the, f- the worst offender in that one because it just didn't work that live cartoon feel certainly didn't didn't work but, yeah uh, like you say it's aces go places in in name only and, and not um in anything comedic at all and again not team tam for me I don't remember much from No Risk No Gain to be honest, but I I, I accepted him in it in it because he 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 was he was fairly assured in it. Um, I, I, you know, as a presence, um, a less broad presence versus some of the broader aspects of No Risk No Gain. It's certainly no Casino Raiders uh, because Casino Raiders really focused on being a good dual drama act between Andy Lau and Alan Tam and some of the stuff is really wonderfully played in Casino Raiders so I accept uh, Casino Raiders I accept a lot no risk no gain yeah it's yeah. not great but it makes that list though I know I'm, I'm the same no risk no gain just about yeah it, it's 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 okay it's no Casino Raiders you put them side by side you know Casino Raiders smash it out of the park again Another highlight as as a film itself, Andy Lau is just marvellous in it. Um, but Alan Tam again is great. Both are mum Tim Tam for both of those. So yeah, rich and famous his supporting role in that one. I quite enjoyed. He plays this uh, very insecure, stuttering character that wants to get into the you know the gangster camp, the gangster gang of Chai and Fat, and he's he's practicing his speech at one point. Like, uh, 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 thank you, boss. Ciao. No, no, no. Don't say that. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, sir. So, no, no, no. Don't say that. Uh, and I thought it was very endearing. Uh, they had some uh, a nice uh, character arc to him where he did display some, you know, devotion to Chai Fat's uh, gangster character that he would have made a loyal, a loyal uh, man because he dies at the end. Yeah, so. there, there was some emotion. I think I was really on the fence with it from an Alan point of view. I love that movie, Rich and Famous, the Tragic Hero, kind of the, the duo and stuff. And I just about um, was on um, Team Tam for that one. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I managed to get you off the fence because you you, ha- you have to decide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And uh, Armor of God is uh, really like the movie. J- Jackie and Alan is uh, is a dual act that I can do without. A lot of comedy is annoying anyway in Armor of God, including that whole scene with the hotel rooms where they're going in and out of the hotel rooms and Rosamund Kwan is there and she tries to kill them both, I think, because she's under hypnosis or some crap like that. But uh, it's um, it's a very flat double act and uh, de- it, that definitely is Alan Tam's fault. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think we totally agreed on that one. That um, yes, we we all know about the action, the Jackie Chan stuff, but as a as a duo, it just doesn't work, and um, it's a not team temp for me as well. That's all the movies uh, jumping back and forth on our lists, and so I, we might as well do a little like live count, uh, so to say. And uh, if I do mine first, like for, from the from the not team tam list, because I, I don't think your listeners like necessarily know exactly how many movies uh, we are talking about here. So um, you you can tally it up if you just make the notes, of course. But uh, and I, I don't even know how many movies uh, we're we're talking of here, fourteen or fifteen maybe. But anyway, from the not team tam list, the amount is one two. Three, four, five, six. From the team tam list, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I know who I am, Phil. <laughs> I'm like Mickey Rourke at the end of Angel Heart. I know who I am. I know who I am right now. And I am exactly the same. Seven. Well, well, in favor of what? Though? Seven for Alan Sam. We are team tam. We both have tattoos for Team Tam, so now you don't have to worry about the extra three letters of not Team Tam because you just have we're Team Tam, folks. Who would have thought seven to we're six? Actually, Team Tam. Who would have thought Ken would be Team Tam? Come on, who would have thought? Well, I'm I reserve judgment to dislike the movies I dislike, but I will like and love the movies I love, and therefore, yeah. you know what I mean. Like I'm I'm not gonna I'm gonna be a whatever it is sixty forty man. Or however, percentage-wise, it ends up. At. Uh, but but yeah, it's a, a deserved seven seven four six against. Yeah, I would have to say because the the ones that are against that you really deserves us being against him in that one in uh, in that list. But uh, yeah, they are. We examined it fairly. We did. I, I think we did. Look at some of the films and the films as well. And it, I think that helps the films elevated that. But, you know, Last Blood, Casino Raiders, Dragon Family, they're strong movies, strong cast. And he, and he holds his own in those. You, you've got to say that. But the surprise package, you know, Mommy Dearest, when it's just about him, just goes to prove that, you know, Alan Tam can act. God damn it. He was, you know, what a great movie for an Alan Tam. You know, it wasn't anybody else. It was just Alan Tam, and he drove that movie. So it just goes to prove it. There were some stinkers there, absolutely. But you know what? We have to celebrate the fact that we are now Team Tam. Yeah, great. Ken <laughs> 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 um, maybe not celebrating the fact that he's Team Tam because he didn't expect that. But hey, that's the way it is. You just have to celebrate now. I'm going to smoke away my sorrows <laughs> or something. <laughs> Jay, for you, Jay. That one's for you, Ken. It's fair. Tam. It's fair. Sam, take that to the bank. Wonder if he expected that. <laughs> so, <laughs> do we have another like sub series in us? Well, there, there's there's another Alan Tam. <laughs> We've been talking of Alan Tam Winglong, but there's a Alan Tam called Alan Tam Quanlun, who's done one movie, 2016's Buddy Cops, and I hate him already. For no, for no, for no, for no logical reasons. Let's just say I hate him. Uh, he's somewhere in that movie. Hey, now you can you can take your anger of Alan Tam on a on a different <laughs> like you young man. <laughs> I'm going off to you. <laughs> new, yeah, new young one. But what we have discussed uh, because um, I've been immature towards uh, many actors in my life, and uh, another actor that I think doesn't really elevate any or many movies but it deserves an examination we'll have to have a think of this is george lamb george's mustache lamb i've had my i've had an idea for the series if you will it might be a little bit too much but i like the idea of the george lamb defaming sessions 
<laughs> because uh, we we might end up on like the wrong side, so to say, the negative side. And uh, Jay suggested that well, instead of Team Tam or not Team Tam, it would either be Lamb or Lame. Lamb or Lame. And why not? I'm I'm all for it because there are movies that are generally good that he's been in, but there are movies where like the air has been sucked out of the movie thanks to him. <laughs> you know, so uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, I think he's still married to Sally. Yeah, which makes him the mortal enemy of uh, of the many, including me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and again, I'll come into this. Uh, I, I suppose again for me, George Lamb is someone that I've seen at the at the back of movies and part of ensemble cast. I've no, I don't know as much about him, probably even less than Alan Tan, to be honest. So, for me. For Lam or Lame, this is going to be an interesting journey. I guess if this is a journey that we're going to take, then you know I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm I'm more more than on board with uh, with that. And he's uh, he's done some interesting stuff that's worth a look, even if it's not uh, high profile uh, movies yeah. like uh, movies like Banana Cop, which sounds uh, really. It's uh, it was shot in England actually. Him and Teddy Robin Kwan. Uh, don't, don't know if it was, it was London necessarily, but it was shot I think all on location in England. So it's one of those movies that brings a different Hong Kong flavor because it's not in Hong Kong. Okay, I'm I'm sold already. Sign me up. Let's do this thing. Right on. Lame. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, 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 that rolls off the t- tongue rather than the George Lamb defaming sessions. But uh, Yeah, well, I don't know. I think you should keep that. I like that as well. It still tickles me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, we're done. We're done. So uh, let's uh, hope you all enjoyed the Alan Time Crapping Hour. And uh, we are going to sign off now with some quick contact information. This is Podcast on Fire on the Podcast on Fire Network. Our website is podcastonfire.com. Find uh, this show and all our other cho- shows and uh, choices over there, plus bonus episodes every now and again. And uh, if you have any questions, suggestions, feedback, opinions on Alan Tam and George Lamb, uh, be sure to write us, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. You can do that over on Facebook as well. If you follow the handy buttons available at the top of our website, you'll get to Facebook, you'll get to our Twitter, you'll get to our iTunes feed that you can subscribe to, and you'll get to the Stitcher Radio online presses where you can search us out, stream us, but also do that on the go through the applications available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. And you can search out the my reviews over at SoGoodReviews.com, Hong Kong, Taiwanese, Category Free, Ninja, Mixture, and a whole bunch of other genres as well. I do video reviews at SleazyKVideo.com, and my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews. Phil, you got the last plug of the Alan Tam crapping hour, so make it a, make it a good one. Oh, we'll make it a good one. Team Tam, Team Tam, Team Tam, Team Tam. Team <laughs> Yes. Uh, so you can find us at www.easternfilmfans.co.uk. We're on Facebook and Twitter. And check out our Twitter feed. You can also phone, find us. You can find us if you like. You can find us on uh, our mobile and tablets, etc. as well. So um, check it out. Enjoy. And uh, remember, we're Team Tam, folks. We uh, officially are. And uh, when we when we hint at dismissing that, I think someone's going to take us to task, and rightly so. Like, hey, hey, hey remember you were Team Town. God damn it, we were. <laughs> I can't say. I, I must be what I'm what I'm supposed to be, but uh, I can I can look down on the movies I didn't like because the, there is an official list of that too, but uh, it's in the minority. So mm-hmm. that's all fair. Uh, okay, buddy, let's uh, sign off then. So I've been kind of be with me was Phil G. So say bye, buddy. Bye bye. And then sing the goddamn song from Till Death Do We Scare Again. <laughs> uh, or Midnight Rider for the 17th time today. <laughs> 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 <laughs>